Quiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. A vaccine for the coronavirus is being held out as the thing that's going to get the world back on track. But developing it and then getting people vaccinated is complicated. In this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we'll take a look at what a vaccine is, how it's developed and the challenges that public health officials are facing with developing one for COVID-19. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Back in April, Claire, we put out a shortcut on infectious diseases about pandemics that have changed the world. In that, we covered the role of vaccines in countering infectious diseases. Let's refresh our memories. It's thought that the first vaccine was developed in 1796. It's a while ago. It is a while ago. And Dr. Edward Jenner in the UK discovered that immunity to smallpox could be brought about by giving people material from a cowpox lesion pretty gross, but he called the material vaccine, which comes from the root word vacca, which is Latin for cow. There you go. Historians say the history of inoculation, which is to give people a material to produce immunity against a disease, goes back even further than that to the mid-1500s, in fact. That's right. Chinese text from 1549 described healthy people snorting powdered smallpox scabs in order to develop a mild case of the disease to get immunity. So just as gross, really. I hope you're not listening to this in the morning, everyone. (laughs) There have been efforts to develop vaccines for devastating diseases like cancer, but attention has been particularly focused on infectious diseases that have claimed the lives of millions of people. The development of vaccinations for infectious diseases like smallpox, polio, measles and the flu, just to name a few, have undoubtedly saved millions of lives around the world. And efforts are ongoing to develop vaccines for infectious diseases like HIV and non-contagious diseases like malaria and dengue fever are ongoing. And of course, all eyes are on the development of a vaccine for COVID-19. We'll get onto that in a moment. But first, let's look at how a vaccine is made. Mass vaccination programs have revolutionised public health through the controlling elimination or near elimination of many life-threatening diseases. Before we get into the how, though, let's cover the what. What exactly is a vaccine? A vaccine is a medicine that prevents disease for a period of time or for life. Most medicines treat or cure diseases, but a vaccine's purpose is to stop us from contracting the disease in the first place. And that works when we're given a medicine that has the same germs that cause the disease. Those germs are either killed or weakened to the point where they don't make you sick anymore. That's right. And a vaccine stimulates your immune system to produce antibodies exactly like it would if you were exposed to the disease. After getting vaccinated, you develop immunity to that disease without having to get the disease first. And the development of a novel vaccine, which is a new vaccine from scratch, is a pretty complex and lengthy process. It's very complicated, but long story short, technicians identify the disease's antigens and they tinker with them so that they can't reproduce themselves or at least do it very slowly. They then grow and purify those antigens and then other ingredients are added to it to turn it into a product that can be given to patients. And then there's rigorous testing in the labs on animals and on humans. 
From starting that research effort to production, it generally takes, and this is not going to be good news to anyone, 10 to 15 years to develop a vaccine. And that's if they're able to crack the code at all. Mm. So for diseases like HIV, obviously years of research has gone into that and they haven't done it yet. And even when a vaccine is found, not all of them last forever. For example, there's some where you need to go back and have a booster Mm. because the protective response wears off over time. Mass vaccination programs don't just protect those individuals who are inoculated. They also give a high degree of community protection for those who aren't. That's called herd immunity and it prevents subsequent waves of infection from becoming too intense. The percentage of the population that needs to be vaccinated to provide herd immunity across the community varies disease to disease. For measles, it's about 95%. And for various strains of the flu, it's 30 to 75%. It really depends on how infectious the disease is. We've heard a fair bit about herd immunity through this coronavirus crisis. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on. It's important to note here that the other way for herd immunity to be developed is to let the disease spread, to let the population build the antibodies that offer protection against contracting it again. That's right. And herd immunity can be developed by enough people becoming infected with the disease. And that works if you can survive it Mm. and if you can't contract the disease again. Which is something that's still unclear when it comes to COVID-19. So let's get into that now. Coronavirus is a group of viruses ranging from the common cold to more severe respiratory illnesses. COVID-19 is a new strain of coronavirus that's thought to have originated in bats in China and then passed on to humans. As we all well know now, it's made its way right around the world. There's been discussion, Claire, about developing herd immunity by allowing COVID-19 to just spread. The problem is that COVID-19 is highly infectious and the death rate is of a level that health officials can't accept. And also as a new virus, medicos are still working out how it's affecting people who have had it and whether they can recontract it because there's some evidence that our antibody response fades pretty quickly. So the alternative then is a vaccine. The race is on to find one. And as we spoke about before, that's usually a 10 to 15 year venture. How realistic is it that we'll have one just a year on from when COVID-19 emerged? According to the experts, it's possible. There is hope that the unprecedented concentration of the world's scientific minds on COVID-19 will develop a vaccine in that really incredibly tight time frame. The New York Times has a tracker on these efforts. There are some 165 potential vaccines under development. Some 30-odd have progressed to human trials. Human trials are an important phase of the development of a vaccine for obvious reasons. It's one thing to know just how a medicine works in the lab but testing its safety and efficacy on humans, that is that it's working out and it's effective, is a really important stage. And so scientists talk about all of these stages of developing a vaccine in phases. There are now six vaccines in phase three of trials. What's phase three? Phase three is when a vaccine is tested on thousands of people across different nations and demographics to really answer the most critical question of all, and that is, does it protect people against coronavirus? Despite that quick work and unprecedented effort to find a vaccine for the coronavirus, there's some significant challenges ahead. No surprise, COVID-19 isn't going down without a fight. Despite all the scientific evidence so far, there's no guarantee, Claire, that a trial will be successful. 
For example, there's some really big questions about how long an immune response will last for those who are vaccinated or who have been infected with COVID-19. And that's why experts say that it's important that all of those efforts continue because we just don't know which trials might stumble in that human trial phase. It's also why there's lots of chat about the international research community sharing data, something that's happening, but there is a concern and a growing concern that if a vaccine is made available, whether it might be shared across the world. Those concerns are focused on what's called vaccine nationalism. The World Health Organization says that rich nations have a responsibility to share any vaccine that's eventually produced globally. That, of course, is going to cost a lot and it comes on top of significant government funding towards the development of a vaccine that nations like the US and also Australia have provided. They're going to want to protect their own people and they're being asked to help other nations, particularly poorer nations. For our part, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has already committed to sharing a vaccine with the world if Australian researchers come up with one. The race to be vaccinated, though, is one thing. What about the anti-vaxxer movement? The anti-vaccination movement is really having a moment. There's some hardcore conspiracy theories that the coronavirus is made up mm. and that it's an attempt at government control. Coming down a notch from there, though, there are those that believe that vaccinations do harm, and estimates put that at about 2 to 3% of Australians who believe that. That's incredibly mild compared to what's going on in the US at the moment where recent polls have found that as few as 50% of people there are committed to receiving a vaccine with another quarter wavering. Claire, mistrust in vaccines has been growing in the US in recent years. It's a sentiment that resists categorisation by political party, education background or socioeconomic demographics and it's a very complex thing. There's some that are inspired by the anti-vaxxer celebrities and even US President Donald Trump has expressed concerns about vaccination in the past. But there's also concern about how fast the coronavirus vaccine is being developed and whether it's going to be safe and that's just the start of it. They call it a vaccine hesitancy and it's a real worry for public health officials because, as we've talked about, the coronavirus vaccine will only work if enough people get it. The more contagious the virus, the more immune people you need for it to be effective across a community. And some experts say that the ideal level is about 70% of the community will need to be vaccinated for coronavirus for it to be effective and driven into the ground. Despite all of this, all of this effort being put into finding a vaccine, the World Health Organization says we may never have a silver bullet for the coronavirus. It's difficult to hear, Claire. And that's why experts point out that if a long-lasting vaccine isn't on the cards, we're going to have to be able to test really efficiently Mm. and treat people so that we're going to have their health protected but also open up our economies and get our pre-COVID lives back on track. Sort of something that's becoming hard to remember. What did it look like before (laughs) pre-coronavirus? I remember some flashes, but, yeah, it's, it's difficult, that's for sure. Like a bad movie. That's your shortcut to vaccines on to our recommendations. For mine this week, as we mentioned earlier, you and Larissa did a squeeze shortcut on infectious diseases in the past. Worth having a listen to, to just understand that this isn't the first time this has happened. Yeah, pandemics have been around for a while. And I've pointed to this one before, but the New York Times, the daily podcast episode about vaccination in the US is really interesting. So it just really blew my mind. It's well worth a listen. 
It's all about that vaccine hesitancy that we spoke about before. We have so many more shortcuts on a variety of topics that you can dive into. Check them out at thesqueers.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts. For those who are new to The Squeeze, we also have a daily news podcast. It drops at 6am and we'll get you across the morning's news every weekday. Opinion free as always. Thanks for listening in. Until next week. Listener.